we've already made mention a couple of times that this is a, a unique day in the life of, of North Clay uh, Baptist Church. Uh, it's, it's time that uh, we uh, place new deacons on our, our deacon uh, board, and it's a very special time in that we're having uh, the ordination service for two of our young men that are going to be introduced here uh, momentarily. And so if you're visiting with us today, this is a little out of kilter uh, for us, but I think it's an important day uh, in the life of the New Testament church uh, that, we, that we do this. And again, as I've indicated a number of times, uh, I think it's a, an indicator of the health of the church when you see uh, new lay leadership beginning to take steps uh, uh, toward their Christian maturity and toward their service in the church. And so I'm going to pray. And then Mark Duncan, our chairman of deacons, is going to come up and uh, introduce some of our deacons, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll start. So pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for the privilege of serving you here at North Clay Baptist Church. And God, our confession is we depend upon you. Uh, we desire that you would bless us. Uh, Lord, uh, bless us so that we may go forward with the gospel that we would reach people in Clay, Alabama, and far beyond the city limits of Clay. Uh, Lord, that we would have a worldwide impact, not for the sake of North Clay Baptist Church, but for the sake of our Savior. I pray that you'd bless all who serve in the, the host and the variety of ways that they serve here at North Clay. And bless this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to start by a, excuse me. I'm going to start by asking uh, anyone that has served as a deacon in the past uh, to please stand. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, look around. These these are men that have have served here and and even in other congregations uh, serve the congregations themselves serve the, the ministers and serve the community um, okay um, you guys can be seated um, now I'm going to move on to uh, the deacons that are rolling off this year so I'm going to ask Joey Ezel Cliff Prosser and Jim Wesley if you would stand these men have served this church for numerous years uh, and you know we all need a break sometimes and I, I really hate to see these guys go but uh, I'd like yes please uh, recognize these people all right thank you thank you man and then uh, since we had so many rolling off we've got several new deacons coming on I'm gonna start with the the two that have already been ordained uh, Joe Ezel and Vernon Self would you please stand Thank you. All right. Uh, and now I'm going to ask all the other deacons that are remaining on the uh, deacon board to stand. Um, there's Bo, Brad, Keith, Johnny, the other Brad, <laughs> <laughs> Lamar, uh, Roy Jones. Um, all right. You guys can be seated. Uh, again, these these men they they uh, do so much behind the scenes, and 
I'm so thankful to be up here representing them. All right, and then we've got two candidates for ordination, um, and I'll ask them to stand just briefly, and they'll, they'll come up later and speak. Um, I'll start with Stephen Loggins, and Savannah, if you would stand with Stephen. This, uh, this is a couple that will, are approaching a year of holy matrimony, and then uh, <laughs> Jacob and, and Taylor, if you would stand. Uh, this is my oldest son and his wife, and uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to, to be here today for this. Uh, you, okay, you guys can go ahead and be seated. Um, I'm going to ask Brad Aldridge to come up and, and uh, take the mic from me, please. <laughs> the English word deacon is translated from the Greek word diakonos. This word identifies and defines those who were servants, specifically those who wait on tables. While this may seem at first glance to diminish the role that deacons play in the church or, dem or demean the men who hold the office, it simply doesn't. We should be reminded that Jesus came as a servant to all, leaving this as our example. The greatest in the kingdom of God are those who serve. So God's unique call upon these men is that they lead the church by serving it. Most obviously, this service takes place in the area of practical need. Deacons may serve God in his church as they are each uniquely called and gifted and as they observe the needs of their <clears throat> particular church. I'm back. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be reading from uh, 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children, in their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Deacons are known not only for what they do, they're known also for who they are, or more specifically, they're known for or by their character. Um, Paul makes this very clear in 1 Timothy 1.3 that the men who hold this office are to be the men of the highest character. They are to be men who faithfully follow Christ and exhibit the highest level of Christian maturity. Um, so now, Tim, if you would continue the service. One of the things that's uh, typically a little bit out of the comfort zone of the men that we ordain to become deacons is they uh, get the opportunity of sharing a, a brief word of, of testimony uh, before uh, the church. And so we have asked uh, both of these young men, men to do that here today. And I'm going to ask uh, Stephen Loggins if he would come up uh, first. And 
say a word, and y'all can get a good look at who Stephen is. And uh, again, we're looking forward to God working in these men in, in wonderful ways in the days ahead. I'll take that mic right there, Stephen. Good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know my name, my name is Stephen Loggins. And for those of you who do know me, you're probably wondering about now that this is some sort of publicity stunt by North Clay to attain a, a Guinness World Record for the, the deacon with the most hair. Uh, I'm right there with you. I thought this was some sort of elaborate hoax. Uh, but let me try to put your mind at ease. So... I grew up in Pinson, Alabama with my family. Uh, Mom, Debbie Loggins, uh, father, Randy Loggins, uh, sisters, Melissa and Stephanie. Uh, I had a great life. Uh, I had some, tons of great memories. Uh, I love my family. When I was 17, I became, well, I started coming to Centercrest Baptist. Uh, Jordan Self roped me in and uh, sort of went from there. For the next few years, I, I became, uh, well, I got shanghaied into VBS service. Uh, I was an uh, uh, assistant crew leader with Stan Garten and then became a crew leader for many, 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 many years. Uh, and then got a, a pass last year because I got married. So that was, that was a, a, a coincidence plus, I, I don't know, but it, it, it was nice. Uh, going forward from there, currently, I know you know me. I, I'm serving as a Wanna Games director. I help out with the youth as much as possible and whatever is asked of me. Um, let me find my place, y'all. I apologize. All right. So, pretty much what I'm getting at is I've learned about God with you. I, I've, I've served God with you. I, I've grown up spiritually with you. And though I, I grew up with my family, and some of you have known me long enough to watch me grow up and mature spiritually, I've grown up so much with all of you. And uh, let me read a little something about what my hope is. This is from Galatians 5, uh, 13 through 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. My hope is and my desire is, is to serve this church. I'm going to serve, serve this church, and I love every one of you. If there's anything that you need to know about me that sums me up, I love my God. I love my church family. All right, Jacob, you can come up. This is Jacob Duncan, and uh, one of the very neat things about Jacob, among the many neat things about Jacob, is he is now a third-generation deacon. Uh, many of you know his grandfather, Joe, and of course his father, Mark, have preceded him in serving de as a deacon here. So that's an exciting thing uh, for North Clay. Jacob. 
you don't have to sit down. This <laughs> probably won't be too long. <laughs> I'm going to go down and get my Bible because I think I'm preaching next. <laughs> I didn't um, come as prepared as Stephen, but uh, I grew up here. I um, was born into this church, if I, I guess I could say that. Um, back when it was Cinecrest, um, I had the privilege of watching my dad and my granddad serve. So it's an honor to be nominated for this. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Again, we are blessed uh, with deacons. And I have said that long before uh, these two young men and the other two men that are coming back to our, our deacon board. Um, if you were to survey my peers of Southern Baptist pastors, they could tell you some horror stories about deacons meetings. I have none. I have none. In that the men that have uh, stepped up and been called upon to serve this church have done so very, very graciously. And so it's an exciting thing to watch this continue. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And I simply kept the same overarching title to our kind of kickoff series for the year. Uh, a part of what it means to live as the people of God and to live in community is to, to have a sense of organization. And kind of fundamentally and foundationally, uh, the church of God is, is organized around two particular offices that are identified in the scriptures. Uh, the first office is, is that of the elder. Now, if, if most of you probably kind of are, are, you know, Southern Baptist, born and bred, and, and that's kind of a, a, an unusual term for you. We, uh, y'all know the preacher man or the preacher, sometimes the pastor, something along those lines. But in the New Testament, uh, there are a number of words uh, that uh, are used to describe the singular office of pastor, bishop, overseer, elder, different things like that. And again, uh, the term that we often use, that of pastor. And then there's a second office or role assigned uh, to uh, the church, and that is that of a, of a deacon. And uh, they're very important to the life of, of the church and I have said and I'm sure it's not original with me that, that pastors lead the church by teaching it okay uh, that we have a, a ministry of the word to the church now as we're going to see this morning uh, some some of these deacons in the first church were really pretty good preachers in fact they were so good it got one of them killed and so uh, you know that's good preaching somebody kills you over it and and so but, but deacons lead the, the, the church, not primarily by what they say, but what they do, by, by serving the church. I, I think Mark said something earlier about men functioning behind the scenes. That's, that's fine. Now that, that's not always the case. Uh, many times we call on these deacons to take kind of front and center roles, but many times there are a lot of things that, that go on here that our deacons do. That these lights burn and these roofs don't leak or 
that, that uh, things work within the church because of their diligence throughout the course of a week and sometimes scrambling around even on Sunday morning, uh, getting things to function as they should. So I'm very, very thankful uh, for deacons. And so we're going to look this morning, maybe it's a little bit debatable as to whether or not uh, the two offices that I've outlined, namely that of pastors and deacons, are, are really in view in Acts chapter 6. But I think they, that there is at least a model there that is informative to us uh, now 2,000 years later as the church is somewhat more fully formed and we see in the other writings of the New Testament the definitive identification of these roles and of these offices. So if you will, read with me uh, in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they set, set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. If you would pray with me uh, this morning. Father, once again, we thank you for your grace and for your truth. I pray that your truth would be that which uh, defines your church, uh, that we would indeed be proclaimers of your truth and practitioners of your truth. Uh, bless us today. Bless these men uh, that have agreed to serve you in this unique way and bless this church as we function together as a local expression of the very body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to this section of Acts, and it's, as, uh, if you've been attending here, you know that our, our kickoff series has been uh, from Acts chapter 2, uh, kind of an analysis of what was going on in the church at Pentecost. Well, between Acts 2 and 6, the church has continued to flourish. It is it is growing, but it is also experiencing opposition. That is, opposition from without and even some issues from within. And so uh, the church is flourishing and that people are, are being saved. People are coming uh, to their gatherings, seeming that they uh, were gathering within, within homes. And they were also gathering publicly in some precinct of the temple. And the church had grown to multiple thousands. And they were hearing the word of God. And there was great unity. Uh, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 4. Uh, they, they, they shared uh, their livelihoods together so, so much that there really weren't even, even needy persons uh, among uh, the, the people of the church. But any time that the church 
flourishes, you can be sure that opposition is soon to follow. That, that there's, there's, there's going to be problems. And, and in fact, I kind of take this mindset, and sometimes when I see little skirmishes and little issues that, that come up, and they're bound to do so in the life of the church, I, I often think, well, Satan would not be concerned causing, you know, pouring gas on these fires if we weren't a threat. If the gospel were not being proclaimed, if the church were dead, Satan would what? He'd leave us alone. He'd have us exactly where he wants us to be. But there's going to be opposition where the truth is proclaimed and lives are being transformed. And sometimes, unfortunately, that, that always, that's not always something that comes from the outside. We see sometimes it's corruption from the inside. And chapter 5 tells us the terrible story of the death of Ananias and Sapphira over the issue of lying to God's Holy Spirit. And God, again, reminded with great force and great severity His holiness, that He is not to be trifled with. And so again, after that uh, particular uh, event played out, God still blessed, and, and great things were happening in the church. And then guess what? External persecution, once again, the, the disciples are arrested uh, for the second time, or the apostles are arrested uh, for the second time. But it didn't stop the proclamation of the gospel. They were committed to seeing that the truth was proclaimed for, again, the accomplishment of God's salvation in the lives of those who heard. And so, in that particular time, is the time that Luke wants to summarize. It's kind of a, a unique juncture in the life and in the kind of the timeline of the church. And so the first thing I want you to see is what I call the presenting problem. That is, the church was having growing pains. Growing pains are good. Growing pains would be things like in our context, it would be a really neat thing if you could not find a chair to sit in this morning. It would be really a, a very, very good thing if you came in and chewed me out because you had to park down at the clay ball fields, okay? Sometimes we've done that on, on Easter morning, things like Those would be growing pain type problems, and those are, those are good things. And, and again, uh, they're, they're, they're wonderful problems to have to work through. Uh, just another one, if you have to move from your present Sunday school class, so you don't have title to that room just to remind everybody that would be a great thing if I said well we're gonna to have to take this room and use it for that and you're gonna to have to take this next room those are good things those are growing pain type problems well they were having growing pains but of a specific type that was going on uh, within uh, the church but as this problem came up it wasn't just kicked further down the road you know we're at a time in our nation where I understand that the government is shut down. I thought it was shut down all the time anyway, but at any rate, it's... But here's what they do. All the Congress is going to do eventually is kick the can further down the road. Okay, they're not going to solve the problem. And so problems are things that we should look to solve. Well, what was the presenting problem? There was a dissension in the church between two groups. See, while the church was 
primarily, but not necessarily exclusively Jewish, uh, even within Judaism, there was a couple of groups. There were the, those that had been raised and lived around Palestine that spoke, uh, uh, spoke Jew, uh, Hebrew. And there were those that had come in for Pentecost and evidently had stayed that were from the surrounding Mediterranean basin. They were Jews uh, from, from the dispersion of the Jews throughout the, the land that spoke Greek. That's what uh, I think my, my translation touched, described them as Hellenist. When you see that term Hellenist, what that is a referral to is the adoption of Greek culture. Okay? And so they had come under the influence of Greek culture since the time of uh, Philip of Macedon and his son Alexander the Great back uh, even 300 years earlier. And so these Jews had adopted certain customs. And yet here they were in the church, and there was a little bit of friction evidently between the two groups. They were confessing Jesus as Lord, they had been saved, they had experienced the reality and the power of God's Holy Spirit, but for some reason, in, in all of the course of their sharing, and they were taking care of each other's needs, they were meeting each other's needs, this group, probably a minority group, was being neglected. Now, your tender, loving, gentle, caregiving pastor, when you complain, my first two responses are, suck it up, and this is a no-whine operation. Okay? But they were a little more discerning than that. And they, they resolved to solve uh, the problem. And here's what the apostles did. They said, first of all, there's an assignment of duties here. And it has been assigned to us to do what? Look at verse 2. That we should not give up the preaching of the Word of God. And again, please do not think this in any way demeaning to serve tables. Now, we, we did a little bit of this last year. And we, we have men and women that come up here and clean our building each week. I, I won't describe what goes into cleaning our building each week. But let me tell you something. You can honor God and you can do it as to the Lord. Even cleaning the building mowing the lawn, all of those things. Those are things that honor God, okay? And, and so don't think that they're, they're kind of saying, well, we're, we're the, you know, the ivory tower group, and everybody else needs to take care of all this, these little details. No, 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 no. That's not what they're saying. But they are saying that God has uniquely called us to serve the church by being those who proclaim the Word of God. And we need to give full attention to that. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to propose a, a solution here. And that is, we're going to ask you, and, and, and if you look there in verse 3, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you. Assuming kind of, most commentators will say that, that these were all Greek names. The, the men named were all Greek names that probably the, uh, the group that they were selected from was the, the Hellenist. From that particular, it wasn't necessarily the whole congregation, but we want some men that are representative of you so they will serve your needs, okay? And so they asked the, the congregation 
to identify some men that can carry out this particular necessary and important function. Sounds a little bit like some congregational polity in that we want to hear from you. You help us to identify those who may serve the church, who may take up this matter. But notice, notice again there in uh, verse, verses 3 that they're going, they're going to appoint it. They're going to be the ones to approve it. So they, they, they're selected by the congregation, and then they're actually appointed and, and recognized and separated out and identified by the apostles. Kind of what we do around here. Okay, the church says, here's who we would like to serve us. Uh, we examine the men. We question the men. Of course, one of the, the real simple things that I can do in deciding if a, if a man should serve as a deacon is I sit down with his wife and say, what do you think? Just in a matter of about 30 seconds, I've got my answer. Okay? Because what? A man of God must first serve God Where? And folks, make no mistake about it, this is the hardest place to serve him. And I'm not, I do not mean that cynically or trying to be a smart aleck. It's hard. It's hard to be the spiritual leader of the home. And so the congregation identified and the apostles approved these men are, who are described as really standout kind of men. The, in verse 3, that they're to be men of good repute. Now, Mark read the, the qualifications of the deacon. And I'm not that concerned about what deacons do in, in the sense of I don't give them a laundry list of what you've got to do this week or this year or whatever. In fact, most of the men's that have, men who have served as deacons here at North Clay and our predecessor, Centercrest, they've been very busy men. They find plenty of things to do. Okay, It's not a, not a problem there. But, but what I'm concerned about is their character, is their spiritual Maturity is their devotion uh, to Christ. And, you know, you, you've heard me kind of tell my, my tales over the years related to growing up in a small town where everybody knows everything about everybody. Uh, and uh, I can think back to growing up, and, of course, uh, we had a lot of churches, a lot of Baptist churches, and all the other brand X's were there represented. But it was not uncommon for churches to have deacons who did not enjoy a very good reputation in the community. They, come, they can come play church real good. They can smile and do their deal. But they go out into the workplace. They go out into the, the, the world in which they, they fish and they play golf and they hunt and they go to the ball field and they do all of these things. And you hear this. He's just one of your deacons. And so, again, they should be men who not only the church thinks, and, and again, these, these young men have been here so, so long that people know them and think highly of them. And I'm thankful for that. But I, I expect if I went to their workplace, you know what I'd hear? The same thing that you say about them. The same thing that you say about them. And so these are, these are men of, of, a, of a good reputation, both inside and outside of the church, and they're full of the Spirit of God. Now, we spent a lot of time last year on the means of grace. And, and some of you, when you start thinking of the idea of the, 
uh, being filled with the Spirit, number one, you automatically go to the, the excesses of the charismatic movement, okay? All the hooping and hollering and running around and jumping up and down and playing and flopping and so forth and so on has nothing to do with being filled with the Spirit of God. It has everything to do with being filled with the Word of God. Though. It has everything to do with being diligent in terms of the Word of God. And I believe these young men, in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb. Maybe some of you guys are much older than these young men. Maybe that through their diligent study have surpassed you in their grasp of the Word of God. So the means to the filling of the Spirit is to be saturated in the Word of God. And so these men here in Acts were full of God's Spirit. And therefore, really, I think uh, corresponding to that, they were, they were full of wisdom. They didn't have one of my dad's little phrases. If he wanted to compliment somebody on that very, very rare occasion that he would uh, issue a compliment, one of his compliments was, that boy's got a head full of sense. That boy's got a head full of sense. Well, and what he meant was that he could function well in whatever environment he's in. And again, I believe our deacons as a, a unit, as individual men, they've got a head full of sense. They're, they're wise men. They, they have plenty of knowledge, but they know how to apply that knowledge. It's, not, it's just not uh, information, but it's information that makes a difference within upon those in whom they come in contact. And so, these men are to be men like these men of good reputation, full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. Now notice, again, here in our text, that what is going to happen is then, we're going to take uh, these men, and we're going to delegate the duties there in verse 4. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the Word. Now as I said, this is the apostle speaking, and I've told you before, I'm not an apostle. None of the men that serve as pastors here, they're not apostles. They better not make that claim. It'd be a quick way for them to be out the door. They're not apostles. So I understand that. But I believe it establishes a pattern as we kind of look forward into the balance of the New Testament that the elders, the pastors, are to be men who are devoted to to prayer and ministry of the Word. Now, not, not exclusively. Okay? I, but by that, now, sometimes if there's a holiday during the course of a week, we'll, sometimes we'll shut the office down. Or occasionally I even take a, a day off. And if somebody says, hey, you know, ha, 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 you know, you, you got a day off. Usually I'll respond, let me tell you something. Sunday always comes. So no matter what I'm doing, you know, if I'm out doing whatever, I still, the, the, the priority of my life is to be prepared to stand right here. No matter what else is going on, my first priority is to be prepared to stand here. That, that is the assignment the church has given to me. Be prepared. So don't, don't step here and say, well, anybody got any ideas about what we might read this morning? What, what y'all think? Uh, anybody, anybody read anything uh, this week and your devotions that you think maybe I can comment on? But there's a priority. And the work of the deacon does what? 
allows me the time to devote myself to the priority of preparation for preaching and to prayer, to intercede for those under my care. I, I found it very interesting. You, if you'll remember, was it three Sundays ago when, when we were getting ready to head into that first cold snap? Several of the deacons and I were talking and, you know, kind of how we're going to make sure that our uh, fire extinguisher system doesn't freeze because we have some unfinished areas that, that are not heated. And uh, one of the deacons looked at me and said, well, you don't need to worry about it. You don't need to, you don't need to be thinking about that. You know? And I appreciate that. I'm, I'm not too good to come up here and turn, turn a thermostat up or open a door or do whatever we got. But, but we have men that, what it, Brother Tim, we want you to be about the business that God has assigned you. And that allows us to function as a healthy church. And so there is a, a delegation of duties. And, and these particular men were set aside, appointed to the specific role, again, here, of seeing that a certain group of widows had their daily provisions. That's the way the church was operating at that time. And again, I, I may take it a step too far. But I believe that deacons may serve God and glorify God and honor God in any way that God has gifted them that allows the church to function to accomplish its purpose. And that's why sometimes you see some of these deacons, you see Bo sitting over there. He's, what, 29 years old, Bo? To 29 tomorrow. He's been being, he's been being a deacon longer than I've been alive. No, I won't say that. But if you have a certain set of gifts and, 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 and certain convictions, then it allows you to serve with joy. It doesn't just wear you out to invest yourself within a congregation. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And so, again, we see that, that deacons are identified and separated and they're pointed out certain type of men to carry out the practical ministries of the church. And so we see here the, the third thing is this pleased everybody. Now, I have to believe and, and you see this back in chapter 4. I started to point it out to you then. But there in verse 5, what has to be, and I believe in the inerrancy of the Scripture, the sufficiency of the Word of God, the, the uh, inspiration of the Word of God. I, listen, I'm there. But that's got, or either this simply wasn't a Baptist church there in Jerusalem. Because it says what? It pleased the whole gathering. I mean, what is it? You got two Baptists, you got three opinions, is that right? But again, it was something that certainly was met with widespread approval. It seemed like a wise choice, it seemed like a, a God honoring choice. And so they were pleased, and we're told these, uh, about these seven men. Now, notice the first two. Stephen gets a little full, fuller treatment. A man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Well, most of you know he became the first Christian martyr. You know, Acts chapter six follows. I mean, Acts chapter seven follows Acts chapter six. He preached the gospel, and I'm gonna tell you what. I like his sermon. I mean, he does a lot of historical development, and then he gets to Jesus. I mean, it's a great sermon in my opinion. And they killed him for it. They killed him. The indictment was so sharp, they killed him. And so, 
never think that you will not see a deacon stepping up to proclaim the word of God. The second man, unless Philip, did the same thing. In fact, would he be considered the first foreign missionary? He wound up in Samaria preaching the gospel. Now, one of the things that I often tell folks when they begin to teach a Sunday school class for the first time or they serve as deacons, I was a Sunday school teacher and I was a deacon before I was a pastor, so just be careful. Be careful. You never know the direction God will take you in the days ahead. But these men are identified. Again, the names are, are Greek names. And notice there, the, the last one was actually evidently a Gentile. He was a proselyte to Judaism. But they were selected uh, to serve uh, in this particular capacity. And notice here verse 7. This, this is what I think is really the neat upshot of this. Verse 7. Luke summarizes, this was a good thing. It helped organize the church. It helped make the church efficient. I've told you many times about uh, the worst class, I think, that I took in seminary was a, church, a class on church administration. And a bunch of preacher boys can really behave badly, trust me. I mean, we were like a bunch of junior high school kids in there, just yeah-yeah and making fun of the professor. and you know, It wasn't really a pretty sight, you know. But... This very nice man attempted to teach us about menstruation. But it really hit me. If all you're doing is wasting the spiritual and material resources of church, then you're taking it away from an area that it could be used in to advance the gospel. And so it's a good thing to run the church right. That's a good thing. And when the church functions well, and I, again, you can be efficient as a mechanism and be a disastrous entity in terms of ministry, but efficiency and effect is, is a good thing. It goes along with effectiveness. Notice there, they got this business taken care of. The apostles did their work, prayer and word. The deacons served the church, and this was a very large church. They served the church, and the word of God continued to increase. The gospel of Jesus Christ was proclaimed. People heard the proclamation of the gospel, and they were saved. So the church grew. The disciples multiplied. That's a great thing. That's, that, is, that is what we want to see. You know, sometimes you'll hear me throw out a little cliche. What are you all about, Tim? More and better disciples. I want to see more disciples. I want to see more and more disciples. And the ones that we have, I want them to be better disciples. I want them growing in grace. So it's a very simple, simple formula. But again, multiplied. And even the gospel took deep root within the priests of Judaism. And many were saved. And that's a great thing. Because again, what were the, the priests were actually the ones leading the persecution of the early church, most specifically the apostles. And so, deacons play an absolutely irreplaceable, absolutely essential role in the building up of the church, in the advance of the gospel, in the preparation for the proclamation of the gospel and so i'm thankful that i think it's i believe it's a good and i believe it's a wise plan on god's part to, to recognize these two if you want to call them offices or officers however you want to see it that god has identified two distinctive roles and called men to serve god's church in these roles for the good of the church and for the advance of his gospel.
I'm going to pray. And then what, the way I'm going to kind of close this service, I'm going to ask uh, uh, Jacob and Taylor and Savannah and Stephen to come and stand here at the front. And I'm going to ask uh, uh, our, our congregation to, to gather around them. And we're going to uh, kind of touch shoulders and hands. And it's, uh, one of the things that was in our passage is the idea of laying on of hands. And I believe it's a symbol of the union. I don't believe I can impart knowledge or impart the spirit or anything like that to anybody. But I believe that we can show that we're unified as a church and we're excited about these young men and what they're going to do in God's church in the days ahead. So let me pray kind of a short prayer here and then I'm going to call y'all to come and stand here, okay? Father, again, thank you for your truth, for the power of your gospel, a power to transform lives, a power that you have used to, to save us and to change us, and we thank you. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of serving, uh, serving you in your church. Lord, we believe it's an important thing. Whatever, whatever role you call each of us to, I pray that you would be honored and your church built up, and again, your gospel proclaimed as we work together in serving you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.